Ballistic Sports presents Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Follow Ballistic on Twitter at Ballistic underscore sports. That's at B-I-L-I-Z-T-I-K underscore sports. This week, former Blue Jay Josh Towers comes out swinging on a number of topics, including baseball games being played in empty stadiums. I don't care if you're at home in Toronto and you got 50,000 people rooting for you, or if you're on the road in any other city and they're booing you and calling your mom names. It does not matter. Without fans, it just is not fun. And now here's a man who has spent his whole life performing in front of absolutely no fans, Barry Davis. Well, that is more like it. I have been waiting patiently for you to come up with some kind of uh, intro insult because that was part of the program when, when Matt was doing the yeah, show but you with me. Still, you still haven't got the outro insult for me. No, I know. But because you're just too nice. That one landed pretty good, though. I yeah, like oh, that yeah, one. yeah. You're, just, you're, you're, you're such a nice guy. That's not to say Matt's not a nice guy. But Matt's just easier to insult than you are. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a drummer thing, right? Maybe it's a drummer mm-hmm. thing. And maybe it is a drummer thing. Folks, uh, if you're looking for opinions and if you're looking for quotable human beings, Josh Towers is the guy. Now, the last time we had Josh Towers on Out of the Park, he spent an awful lot of time ripping on Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> we don't go down the Alex Rodriguez route this time. If you want to hear him bashing A-Rod, go back and listen to the... Last time we had him and on. And I highly recommend to listen highly to Highly recommend. It's wonderful. But we get into a whole bunch of stuff. Everything from COVID to baseball to what else do we get the into? State of affairs in Las Vegas, Nevada Yes. Right now. Yeah, we get into a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> so enjoy it. It is a lengthy two-part conversation. You'll hear part one on today's program. You will also hear Ask Barry Davis. Do we have any questions? Any new questions? Yeah, we do. Come on. Yep. Good. Good, good, good. So we will have Ask Barry Davis. Uh, we are still working on getting our polls back up again. Hello. <laughs> See, I got dirty there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we oh! Will, yeah. Uh, we, we don't have a poll yet. We will. We got to start working on getting a poll. I'll do a poll this week. week. Yeah. Yeah. That was Matt's thing. Yeah. I just, uh, you know. I'm still just waiting my, even if I do a poll on Twitter I know. right now. I know. It doesn't okay. get out there. So. Up next, <laughs> folks, uh, we will talk a little baseball, but... Mr. Tom Forth here has a few things to say about COVID, and we're going to hear them next. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. This is Out of the Park. Ladies and gentlemen, girls and boys, the first pitch with Barry Davis. All righty. We forgot to mention, we'll also hear from Raj Sapaya on this week's show. And Raj is going to downplay and show us some facts about something that many of us believe to be true regarding their health. That's all I'm going to say. Leave it at that. Mm-hmm. When Raj comes on, you'll be able to hear exactly what it is I am referring to. So, uh, as our week ended, and happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there, mm-hmm. our happy Canadian tur- listeners. Happy Canadian Turkey Day. That's right. I'm not having turkey for Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm really am. disappointed because I love turkey. Mm. Really, really, really love turkey. So, oh, I do want to give a shout out because uh, I've just recently had my backyard done and the gentleman that did my backyard did an, a phenomenal, I'm talking phenomenal job. And you saw it. You saw it what it looks, looks like. amazing. I wanted to record this show out there. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. Too much ambient noise. Yeah, a little bit too much ambient noise. But I, I do want to give his company a, a shout out because if you are in the market to get stuff done, um, these guys are fantastic. Green Hills Landscaping is the name of the company, Green Hills Landscaping, Inc. Green Hills Landscaping 19 at gmail.com. Okay, and their website is greenhillslandscaping.ca. Check them out. They're fantastic. They did a great job in my backyard. So there we go. Uh, we will be joined next week by uh, Don Corby, who runs Ballistic Sports, because they are getting very close to releasing these cool games. And if you are unfamiliar with what these games are all about, you basically sit with this board game, while you're watching a sporting event, be it hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and you will predict what is going to happen next in the game. And if you're right, you get points and you move certain things and you get all these cards. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great way. You know, to me, we spend so much time watching sporting events with our phones and we're, you know, doing something other than just watching the game. Mm -hmm. Now you get to do something else while watching the game, but you're doing something that's related to the game. This will force you to spend more time focusing on the game and Mm -hmm. still being able to multitask. I can't wait to try this thing out because it does. It looks like a really neat little 
I'm not going to say diversion, but yeah. like little way to sort of bolster your sporting, your sport oh, watching totally. experience. So I know Don is going to send us a game that we can use to try out. And nice. I think somewhere down the line, we're going to have some giveaways. So nice. hang in there. So hang in there, folks. Okay. On Friday, the province of Ontario recorded a record number of COVID cases, like 980 something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doug Ford announced that there were a bunch of shutdowns happening again. So indoor restaurants, he announced that they would be closing the gyms down, movie theaters, uh, bowling alleys. Our pal Ed Sousa's had to close down Classic Bowl for the next 28 days. And I, I see both sides of this, Tom. I understand that we need to get a grasp on things. And some people are saying this is all the government's fault. And other people are saying, no, it's our fault because we're not doing what we need to do to flatten the curve like we did three, four months ago. You have some very strong opinions on this. You have two kids in school. Mm-hmm. Your youngest is really struggling with what's happening right now. Well, you know what? He was, but we're getting there. But it, it is a journey. It's yeah. a process, yes. So what is your thoughts and your opinions on what has transpired at the end of the week? Well, you and I talked about this at length um, back in August when they announced the kids going back to school. Yes. And back then to me, you know, just a dude, I'm not like a doctor. I'm not a, uh, you know, I have no qualifications. That's for sure. He has no qualifications. But I have an abundant wealth of common sense. And mm-hmm. at the time there, you know, you you remember us having this conversation, I think even on one of these episodes. And I said, you know, you send hundreds of thousands of kids back to school you're going to get an explosion of this disease. We're going to get a resurgence of this disease. But, you know, maybe we need to do that because we can't stay locked down until this, you know, for all the people out there that want to stay locked down until a a vaccine comes out, we've never created one in the history of mankind. No, there will not. I mean, will there be a vaccine? Well, Well, there may be. According to Donald Trump, it's it's just around the corner. But I still think I'm, I'm... Got some serious suspicions on that whole thing with him, but that's that's another story yeah. for another time. There, there may be right, but we need to find a sustainable way forward. And a full lockdown is not sustainable. I'm a mental health advocate um, for people that are special needs, for people that are battling mental health problems, physical health problems, isolation. You know, this can be a death knell for how many, you know, hundreds if not thousands of businesses. You know, that right. just barely made it through the last Listen, lockdown. I'm not going to tell everyone exactly the town that I live in. But I do live in a smaller town north of Toronto, and we don't have the problems here. But we also, but because I am part of Peel Region, mm-hmm. we have to close down everything. And I've already seen a number of small businesses that are closed for good yeah. and will not be opening. And it's sad. And these are people's livelihoods gone. So I, I totally feel for them. But I also know that there are a lot of people that have died and a lot of people that are very sick. And I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, and and you know, it's again, it's that frustrating thing because it becomes this politicized thing. Yes, I'm where not, you're yeah, either, this... you know, and, and the way that you uh, phrase that question there is is it's the government's fault or is it the people's fault, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? This is a disease. This is a virus in human history. No population has ever been able to stop a virus. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not anybody's fault. Right? Right. I mean, maybe the bottom line is this thing, just like the WHO said from the beginning, was going to go through the human population. And we had to decide. That was the strategy at the beginning was to decide how slowly to let it through so our healthcare system didn't get overrun. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I loved that strategy, except our healthcare system has been overrun for 20 years and we haven't cared. You know, and thousands and thousands of Canadians die of things like the flu, and we haven't cared. And you know, now if you even bring up the flu, people are like, "But COVID isn't the flu." And yeah, no, it isn't the flu, but they can both be deadly, and they can both kill you, and they both, you know, they. I don't bo- think it's as contagious as the flu. Well, no, but I mean, you don't want either one of them. No, and and we, but these are risks that we mitigate in our life every day. And if you want to stay at home in a bubble so that you're not exposed to the flu or not exposed to COVID, right? You mean, all of those risks are things that have to be weighed. Now, we have taken this COVID risk and we have shut everything in our life down. Mm-hmm. But other risks are coming up now. You know, 
we're not sharing the numbers on, on overdoses. We're not sharing the numbers on suicides. People are dying. And, you know, how many people that didn't seek medical treatment? How many people that had to have surgeries put off? Mm-hmm. There are costs. So when we're approaching a lockdown, I think that, you know, the how I would love to do it is, you know, kind of try and find the way that does the least amount of harm. Right. Well, here's the thing. I've been working through this entire thing. Mm-hmm. And during the early stages of COVID, and we're talking, you know, March, April, May, I was working overnights and there was only a few of us in in the store. But since we've reopened, I've been there. I've been working every day. I've been wearing my mask. Mm -hmm. I've been keeping my distance when possible. And if anybody came near me without a mask before everyone was wearing them, I was, you know, very far away from them. I'm washing my hands regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm doing everything that I need to do, and knock on wood, I have not contracted COVID. No. So is that because my immune system is is that much better than other people's that have contracted, or is it because I'm being careful and people who have contracted it haven't been as careful? I don't know. I think, to me, one of the big things that we need to look at, the number one thing I think we need to look at is when people fly here from another country Regardless of where it is, they need to be quarantined. It's way too easy. I know people that work at the airport and say that you're basically asked, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Good? Okay, you're good. Mm-hmm. And even if you are told to quarantine, there's no way of you know, forcing it. I've heard different. I've heard that it's really tough. Well, like that the government calls you like, well, repeatedly. Listen, they just arrested that real notorious anti-masker guy, yeah. that dude with the long hair. And they didn't arrest him for protesting and anti-masking they arrested him because he came back from ireland and Mm -hmm. did not quarantine Mm -hmm. now he had a red flag up everybody knew who he was but for most people they come back from a trip how do you prove how do you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like how can you have someone quarantined unless they're quarantined at the airport put them up in a hotel at the airport and say you're you're staying here for 14 days no i have heard from multiple people that came back from overseas and they told me um both the two people I'm thinking of really similar situations where they were getting phone call check-ins multiple times a day. And the one, uh, the one lady that I know it was out East, um, she didn't make her phone call and the cop showed up at her door 15 minutes really? later to check on her and told her that there was going to okay, be well, consequences. That's, so, that's good. Listen, and I yeah. still see gatherings that have been going on. Listen, you know, it's one thing, you know, here it was Thanksgiving weekend. Okay. I have family that doesn't live with me, mm-hmm. and I can't get together with them. But I go to work, and I'm with complete strangers all day. Again, it's decisions that we're making, right? Yeah. And that's what bothers me most about it is that these decisions have become like an all-or-nothing thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's completely okay for you to go to work and be surrounded by hundreds of people, but it's not okay for you to see your grandmother. Right. Um, that's that's a decision, right? Mm-hmm. And what scares me isn't the fact that we have to make those decisions, what scares me is that on either side of that decision, you have people either screaming at you that you're going to end humanity by seeing your grandmother and that you're an irresponsible person, or you have people screaming at you that you're hoodwinked and you're a tool of the, you know, the evil government. Yeah. And and none of us are either really. But you see, those, that's right? what the world has turned into, Tom. It has. It's this side or that side. Yeah. It's black or white. It's left or right. It's sp- right or wrong. There's no. There's no in between yeah. anymore. I spent three years fighting for my life, battling mental illness. Mm -hmm. And that's the world I lived in, right? Either I loved something or I hated something. There was no in-between. right? And so, yeah, like for everybody out there right now, (laughs) the best advice I think I could give is if you find yourself like, you know, oh my God, the world is going to end if Donald Trump gets elected, right? I would hesitate to say that the problem is with Trump at that point in time. Think about your own mindset, because the world isn't going to end, right? And the United States might end as we know it. I think the, the United well, States might happen. end either way. Well, yeah, regardless <laughs> of who wins the election, we we've got a civil war on our hands. Well, and for those of us it's that are living, yeah, th- those of us who live in Canada, we should be very thankful to live in Canada. And it's sad because there are many parts of the United States that I love. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking to Josh Towers later, who lives in Las Vegas. Yeah. I love Vegas. My heart bleeds for New York. I hear yeah. they're, they're comparing New York New York now to the late 70s, uh, early 80s yeah. of like the complete, but like apocalyptic, empty wasteland. Well, the thing is, we have no idea how to deal with this because this has never happened yeah. in any of our lifetimes. 
But I mean, we're going to this lockdown now. Actually, we bring up New York, right? Yeah. Um, see how New York's doing after their lockdown. Mm-hmm. Check on LA, how they're doing after yeah. their lockdown. So as we're going into this 28 days, let's look ahead and look at the world that we're going to have at the end of it. Right. Because lockdowns have consequences. And, they and, do. And again, it's that mindset, right? Right. These are things we need to talk about. Listen, I, I and I understand, you know, some people say, well, there's more cases because more people are being tested. But if you, if you didn't test as many people... We wouldn't have them as cases, but they still have COVID. People, you know, just because you don't get tested for 80, COVID. 80% of the people, apparently, that they're testing don't have symptoms. Uh, well, so ha, ha, let me ask you this. Yeah. Well, if you, don't, ha, if you don't have symptoms, mm-hmm. why are you getting tested? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? I've, I've talked to the doctors. I've asked them that. Because you can't just go in and say, I want a COVID you know, test, can you, for just yeah, for no reason well, at all? Well, not anymore, but you could. Like, right. all through the summer, it was... It was well, me. then why are they testing so many more people now than they were testing before if they're only testing people with symptoms? No, they're not only testing people with symptoms. That's the problem. They're testing, they're testing people with symptoms at hospitals. But you can go now... Like, my mom's been trying to get a test mm-hmm. um, so that we can go see my grandmother. Yeah. And uh, she can't get through anywhere. She's calling a pharmacy. She spent eight hours mm-hmm. calling a pharmacy to get an appointment for a test. It took her three days to get through. Wow. And she's got a test booked next week, next Friday. That was the closest time. See, to me, I want to see how these inflated numbers over the last week reflect in hospitalizations. But they're not. No, we don't know yet because you've got to give it, give it two weeks. Right, give it two weeks from these numbers spiking, and let's see if the hospitalizations and the deaths spike along with it. If they don't, if they don't, then maybe we can find some middle ground compromise on this. Yeah, uh, the you thing know. is, I mean, the spike started happening about two weeks after school let in, right? Mm-hmm. We get four hundred cases a day, yeah, up to the levels that we saw our hospitalizations and ICU beds and and all of that are nowhere near what they were in the spring. It's so different. And, that's, and that's, this is a pattern good, and, repeating all over the world. Right. And, you know, like with anything, and I, and I don't know if it was you that said this or my wife that said this, with any kind of virus like this, it's going to mutate. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, it's you know what I mean? It's not going to stay the same. It's nope. not going to be, you know. So that, that death rate that was, you know, horrible and, and frightening in March um, even by the most conservative estimates, you know, the death rate for COVID in August was like, I think, a third of what it had been in March mm-hmm. because our treatments are getting better. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different reasons. But but that in there of itself, that kind of changes the, the conversation too, right? Right. And, yeah, like the numbers are pretty bold in Ontario. Yeah. Uh, what, I think under 50, I think seven people have died of COVID. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm... I'm so confused by the whole thing because mm-hmm. I do see both sides. And maybe that's the type of person that I am. I'm not uh, one way or the other no. way. And because of that, that makes it m- that much more difficult. For somebody who says, yep, this thing, we're overreacting. There's nothing to worry about. They feel confident. They they, they feel good about their decision. Mm-hmm. For those who are scared out of their wits yep. and don't want to leave the house, well, they know exactly how they feel about it. Yep. But for those of us that are sensible, it's even more difficult for us because we really don't know which side of the fence we're leaning on with this. Well, and it's impossible to make the point, right? Yeah. Because if you try and have a reasoned conversation and say, hey, there's two sides to this coin, you know, if you're talking to someone that's locked down, they don't hear you because right. now you're one of those crazy people, well, anti-maskers. If you talk to an anti-masker people and say, you know what, you got to wear a mask in the store, yeah. same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so to the quiet middle out there. We hope you're doing okay, and we encourage you to yeah, yeah, <laughs> hang in there. All I can say is, be careful, wash your hands, be respectful, be kind. Yes, yeah, wear a mask, stay six feet apart, mm-hmm. right? And you know, like I said it's just a, a lot of the rules are very contradictory, right? I mean, the fact that you you can't go into a restaurant and eat, but you can go shopping. For things. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we have, you know, you go into any store and people are touching things all the time. Yep. You can't go behind and sanitize everything everybody touches Mm-mm. constantly. So, and, you know. Yeah, you know, there are people out there that are really trying to do that. Yeah. Right? They really are. And, and there are restaurants in particular. I've, you know, I'm a restaurant guy. I've been out to restaurants to support my local restaurants because the sad fact is a year from now, most of them are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm enjoying them while I can. And what I've seen in restaurants time and time again is amazing and ingenuitive people that are coming up with ways to survive. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, now we've decided that they're the problem here, but there's no, you know, for all the people that talk about data and, and information, there's no data saying that it's coming from restaurants yeah. in, in any appreciable amount. And Well, I mean, restaurants are being, you know, as careful as, anyone out there although i mean yeah. you do have to take your mask off to eat yep. okay but the servers are all very diligent they are very particular about cleaning the tables mm-hmm. they about having uh throwaway menus yep. right most I, restaurants now they have those little pins so you just scan it on your phone for the right menu. so it's touchless you give your phone number when you go in yep right i by the way i i uh, i downloaded the app so i have the app now and i encourage everybody you don't like you're not a fan of the app? I haven't downloaded it. Oh, I downloaded the app just because being in the in the store all the time if someone happens to come in with yeah. the app that has been exposed to somebody to me the more we more information we can have on this the better chance we have. But remember back in, you know, you mentioned the 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 vaccine, mm-hmm. but it was back in what May we were talking about, oh, the vaccine's just around the corner. Trump kept promising, "Oh, we had a vaccine on its way." Right? Yeah. There's no vaccine there's yet. Sw- there's, some, there's some nice real estate in Florida I'd like yeah. you to buy. Well, that's it. Right. But that, I mean, that's the important point because our entire public policy in Canada is based on this vaccine that's right. coming we, that know, may never come. Right. There, there's never been a vaccine that can completely eliminate. We can't even cure the common cold. Yeah, exactly. Right? We have no cure for the common well, and cold. That's what type of virus, that's what a coronavirus is. Yeah. Corona, the common cold is either a coronavirus or a rhinovirus. Right. And so this is this is this. But is. you want to know something? Somebody brought up the fact that even though there are a lot of COVID deaths, the overall death count is down. Mm-hmm. So we should be thrilled about that. But my thinking is the reason the overall death count is down because there's less people out in cars. There are less people out doing things that could possibly cause them to have a heart attack. Right? Mm-hmm. There are uh, you know people are wearing masks. And are washing their hands. So not only are they protecting themselves from COVID, but they're also protecting themselves from other types of viruses that they could get. So, again, to me, it's not so much about shutting everything down. It's about us being careful. Because if we're careful and we're wearing our masks and we're washing our hands and we're keeping our distance, not only are we preventing COVID, but we're also preventing a lot of other things that could get into us. Yeah, Um but can we be careful enough, right? If this thing is as, as easy to catch as they say, then it's going to make its rounds through our community yep. with interaction. And, you know, again, we've politicized it. You're a bad person if you get COVID, mm-hmm. right? How many diseases have we done that with over history? AIDS. O- only bad people get AIDS. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only bad people get, you know, get chlamydia. <laughs> you know, syphilis is the favorite one, right? The French people called it the Italian disease. Right. And the Italian people called it the French disease. And and everybody wanted to blame. Do you have anything that's not sexually transmitted? Uh, let's see. Cancer, but I don't think, you know, no, there's been no real. Okay. <laughs> there's been no real uh, virtue signaling with, with something like that. All right. All right. Uh, we should get a, a little bit of baseball talk in before we, we wrap this up. Does that work for you? Yeah, let's do baseball. Have you been, see, to me... Regardless of whether the Blue Jays are in it or not, I'm always glued to the TV during the postseason. Mm-hmm. I love baseball playoffs. I could I could sit there when there's three, four games on and watch every game. I'm having a really hard time getting into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, the numbers are going to show. I know that the NBA numbers for TV were way down. Yeah, I heard they were like the worst ever. But and and I know there there are some that are blaming it on the players' movements and the Black Lives Matter, and I think that's a load of bullshit. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, to me, this is this is not about that. No. And if people are turning it out because of that, then you don't deserve to have sports anyways. You're a racist. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Plain and simple. Mean, but They to should me, be building statues for Kaepernick, not, yeah. you know. <laughs> but to me, it's just, I just don't care. I just don't care. I mean, I'm still watching it. As we record our show now, we have, you know, mm-hmm. the Yankees and Rays on right now. But it's just not the same for me. You? No, I'm the same. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't watched a full game since the Jays were out. Yeah. I, I've caught, you know, a little bits of of action here and there. Particularly, actually, the Yankees and and, and Tampa series. Mm-hmm. Just because. Actually, I don't even know why I hate both those teams. 
<laughs> but I just can't. I can't. You know, tear yeah, my eyes away. I but. know. I was pulling for the Oakland A's because of Liam Hendricks and mm-hmm. and what a great guy he is and having a career. You know, we got to get him on the show. Yeah. Probably, oh, yeah. The next week, we got to find out what his experience was like and and coming off his career year. And uh, Liam, one of the really good human beings in the game, so I want to get him on. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's. I don't really have. I don't have a horse in in the in the race right now. I don't. Know. I kind of. I kind of hope Houston wins. Yeah. Well, I, I, listen, I will say this about the Houston Astros. There are is no cheating right now with them. Yep. There are no garbage cans. Yep. They're playing great baseball. So what they are doing, it doesn't doesn't forgive them for what they did. What they did was crazy stupid, and they deserve to be punished for it. But they're showing that they are capable of hitting a baseball without mm-hmm. cheating. And that's the thing that really makes this a big shame is that they didn't have to do that. They were already a good team. They didn't have to cheat, but no. they cheated. They tarnished yeah. themselves. Yeah, I still think there's probably a whole bunch of other people, teams out there that just didn't get caught. They were doing oh, similar things. Of course there were. Maybe a little slicker. Why right did we never like, hear any more about yeah. the whole Boston Red Sox thing? Yeah. What baseball? Major League Baseball exactly. doesn't want us to hear about that. Mm-hmm. They they may know they may know five six seven other teams that are doing this kind of stuff, but they do not want that negative publicity. It's that thinking, right? Like we always, you know, we talk about the integrity of sports, and but look at every single sporting league in the world. Yeah, there's cheating in all of them. Of course, there is. It, it, it is. It Deflate is like gate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Any way, any shape for that inch, right? For yeah. that, yeah, it, from the Olympics to professional sports, yeah. you see it all the time. It's endemic. But why are we constantly shocked about it? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's I kind of liked, you know, Houston came out this week and they were like, all right, that's it. Yeah, we cheated. Now look at us. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. All right. Still to come, Josh Towers will tell us uh, what he thinks about Major League Baseball this year. We'll get a description of what his town in Las Vegas looks like these days. We'll get him to talk about COVID. And a bunch of other things as well. He's mm-hmm. got an opinion. Absolutely. Oh, and the way pitchers are being handled these days. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll hear all of that from Josh Towers coming up. We'll also have Asbury Davis. But first of all, I uh, teased it off the top of the show. Raj Sapaya is going to give you some facts that are going to really surprise you when it comes to your health. That is up next. There's Tom Forth. I'm Barry Davis. This is Out of the Park. Foundation Physiotherapy presents The Medical Room. Back here at Foundation Physiotherapy, we are at the Front Street location. Raj Sapaya, we have three locations in the GTA. Tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you. Uh, currently, we're at our Front Street location of City Place, close to the Rogers Center. We have one. They used to play baseball there long ago, remember? Remember <laughs> those days? They used to play baseball there, correct. Now it's just sitting there being the uh, landmark so you know where to find, where to find my clinic. That's right. oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's why it's there. Look for the big empty building, <laughs> yeah, folks, and he's right next to it. Yeah, the empty buildings, right. We're, we're one of the few that's still open downtown. Um, we've got one right in the core in the Financial District, University of Dundas, and we've got one in Corktown near the Distillery District in the east part of Toronto. Raj, as we get to the middle of the fall, the weather is starting to change. It's starting to get cooler. Yeah. You're starting to feel some dampness in the air, and you're starting to hear many people say, Oh, the weather's changing. My sciatica is acting up again. The weather's getting colder. Oh, it's a rainy day. My knee's acting up again. Why is it that the weather patterns have this effect on people's injuries or pains? Yeah, so I don't want to be a a know-it-all here. Oh, be a know-it-all. This is your segment. But uh, to to be honest, scientifically, weather does not really affect our our, our joints and things like that. People think it is because it's, it's what we perceive it. So are you saying this is a psychosomatic thing? I think it's more of a mood thing. Okay, explain that. Because I think weather can affect our mood. Okay, yeah. Um, and when weather affects our mood, it affects our way, the way our brain perceives how we move. If you're, if you're in a good mood, you move better. You feel happier. You have more better blood flow. Your adrenaline's rushing. You know, when a nice hot day, you feel good. It suns out, especially in a country like ours in which we are almost ingrained culturally to enjoy summer and kind of dislike winter a little bit. So, you know, maybe there's some mood elements that's built into us from birth that goes towards that, right? So the other, the other option, the, the other thing varies too, we can be less active. Maybe we're less active when the weather's bad, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe we're like, oh, I just don't feel like I want to go for a walk because it's raining. And that perception can lead into how our joints work as well. Really? Yep. I mean, 
this is going to come to a surprise of many people that are listening and watching because many people will just swear by the fact that, you know, oh, it's raining. I know when it's going to rain because my knee acts up. Yeah. But you're saying there is no scientific evidence that says there that's the no case. There is no scientific actual hard proof. Right. Right? It is, there's more proof that actually says our mood affects our pain. Just like if something happened, if your dog died, mm -hmm. or if you had a bad day at work, your pain could be bad. And so maybe a lot of things can just be, you know, mood, your mood generally can affect how your pain is. Okay, if that's the case, then are you seeing a major uptick in the amount of people that are calling you with aches and pains because of the fact that with COVID, we're all in pretty crappy moods Of lately. course, of course, and I think that is what we've seen. And partly is coming back from COVID, um, we were all, you know, in not, in not the greatest mental space. And a lot of our aches and pains were acting back up. We also had bad posture. A lot of people just, when we're not in a good mood, we don't stand up tall. We don't move mm. firmly. We're all kind of like down in the dumps and that affects our body physically, right? So a lot of it is, is in our jobs as therapists, you know, there's, our, there's two parts to our job, physio and therapist, right? Mm. The therapist part of our job, really, we want to empower our patients. We want to motivate them to improve their mood, show them that they can do things. And then if they can move better and think about how empowered they are, they likely will be better to succeed with relieving their pain and things like that. So there you go, folks. Be happy, you'll be in less pain. It's simple as that. <laughs> but if it rains and your knee is aching you, I still believe you. Don't listen to the, no. Listen Give to us a call. Yeah. We'll help you. Raj we'll help you strategies. <laughs> From Foundation <laughs> Physiotherapy. Out of the Park presents Ask Barry Davis. Back here on Out of the Park. Barry Davis and Tom Forth with you. And as we record this show, Tom, it is October the 9th, 2020. Today would have been John Lennon's 80th birthday. Yep. And it's still, on December the 8th, it will be 40 years since he was murdered senselessly murdered and all these years later it still hits me it still bothers me to this day that you know and I, I always thought of it you know the 40 year old John Lennon being old John Lennon mm -hmm. but to me now that I look back he was so young and there was so much more music that he could have written yep. and during the last months of his life he wrote some of the best songs that he had written as a solo artist and it really, to this day, it, it pains me of all the songs that we will not get to hear because of that idiot Mark David Chapman who decided to take his life. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's no way to get it back. Nope. Nope. No, unless, you, I mean, if you believe in heaven and think that one day we get up there and, and Lennon will be there and, you know, we can hear all these great songs, great. And after we're done recording this show, you're, you and I are going to watch the movie yesterday, and I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. And this is a great movie, folks. Uh, even if you're not a huge Beatles fan, but basically the premise is this guy who's a musician, something crazy happens in the world, and he wakes up, and he's the only one that's ever heard of the Beatles. And all these songs that he's playing, everyone thinks they're his. Yeah. So it's very cool. Anyway, it's a totally different topic for another show, and we're going to get into it on our next episode of Sessions. And by the way, folks, uh, if you haven't tuned into Sessions yet, please do. We've got some great music guests. Last week we had Sandy Horn of the Spoons. This week, if you have ever seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite, you are very familiar with a song called The Promise. Yep. The guys who wrote that song, the band When in Rome, we're going to be joined by one of the founding members and writers of that song, Clive Farrington, is going to join us on Sessions. That will be on Tuesday. And he's got a big uh, viral concert or a virtual concert that he's mm -hmm. doing for mental health and yep. uh, suicide, suicide prevention. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so, And I know that's near and dear to your heart. It is. So be sure to check out uh, Sessions on Tuesday. All right. It is time for Ask Barry Davis. And um, it's still a little bit slow in the questions coming in. So let's, uh, let's get it out there for all of you listening. This is your opportunity to ask me anything, anything you want. So how can they do that? 
Okay, you can send them to me on Twitter at uh, at fourth underscore Thomas or to Barry at Twitter at Barry Davis underscore or you can use the hashtag AskBarryDavis um, or you can find us on Patre- or Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash out of the park. Send us your messages there or even hit me up on Instagram at one foot at a time uh, and DO- DMs are open for both of us on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. So just send those questions And our we way. are like days away from nsrmedia.ca coming back. Yeah, and then yeah, that'll be a great little hub. Have you, have you, found, have you got any information on that yet? No, nothing yet. I'm waiting with okay. bated breath. All right. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It's definitely coming. All right. Uh, what is our question this week? So, all right, we actually had, we we did have a couple questions that were sort of building up. Unfortunately, you know, the playoffs answered a couple of them. (laughs) Mm. So, so this is one, uh, it is kind of playoff related. Um, And it's from Randy McDonald. Yep. And he would really like to know. And and you know what? I'd kind of like to know this question too, or the answer to this question. How does Angel Hernandez still have a job? (laughs) Uh, I don't even know, was he... Was he umping during the postseason? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got, uh, I think he was in one of the, like, he's the NLCS. Uh-huh. He's on that team, I believe. So we did, maybe about a year ago or longer, we did, uh, when we were doing Out of the Court, the show that I did with my two lawyer pals, and we did a show about the lawsuit that Angel Hernandez had against Major Still League. Still going. Yeah. Yep. And during that episode, Adam Goodman, one of our two lawyers, brought up a number of facts regarding Angel Hernandez's umpiring. And it turns out that according to the stats, the analytics of umpiring, he wasn't as bad as many people think. Now, like I am with analytics in the actual game of baseball, I believe they have a place, but I use the eye test. Mm Mm-hmm. Angel Hernandez is a horrific umpire. <laughs> now, there are a lot of really bad umpires, but Angel Hernandez sucks. Yep. No doubt about it, he sucks. Right? I have no idea. I have no idea how he's still umping, specifically in the postseason. Right? Uh, probably has a lot to do with seniority. I mean, Joe West gets all these great gigs, too, mm-hmm. and Joe West is, you know, guy's 110 years old. <laughs> right? Like, why is he still there? At least he can, you know, he can still make the whole game, though, right? So yeah, that's good. Well, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got on that. I have no idea why he has a job. Yeah, that's one of those frustrating things, right? Like, I, I, you hear players vent frustration from time to time, but yeah. you know, as a fan, for me, I understand that umpires are, are such a, a integral part of the game, and and. But when you see perfect games taken away, you see triple plays lost. When you know it's it's amazing that replays came in. But maybe it would have never been necessary if we had just had some sort of way to, you know, accurately track and monitor umpires. Well, they do, right? I mean, that's the thing. But with... who sees these stats, right? No, How that's the are thing. They... The umpires' association does, mm-hmm. and they are union, a very strong union. So that's probably the answer as to why he still has a job. So they're putting a box somewhere and they never looked yeah. at, and yeah, and man. But imagine if we could, right? Like mm-hmm. if if teams could imagine a Blue Jays fan in the late '80s, early '90s, being able to look at the strike zone that you're getting called compared to the other 26 major league teams, or yeah. however many it was back yeah. then. No, I... No, that's true. Yeah, so there we go. All right. You ready for some fun? Yep. All right. We're going to head off to Vegas next. We're going to be joined by former Toronto Blue Jay Josh Towers. There's Tom. I'm Barry, and you're listening to Out of the Park. Back here on Out of the Park, Barry Davis and Tom Forth. And uh, I'm not leaving Las Vegas, Tom, because I haven't been there in a long time. One of the things I miss about the United States, I'm one of, talk about being on one side or the other. Either you love Vegas or you hate Vegas. I love Vegas. I love Vegas, too. So I'll tell you what, because my wife's not a big fan of Vegas. Next time I'm going to Vegas, you and I are going. Deal. All right. Let's go to Las Vegas now, virtually. 
as we head over now and chat with former Toronto Blue Jay, Josh Towers. And uh, as our conversation began, I actually forgot that he was in Las Vegas. So, yep, that explains that. <laughs> Josh, first of all, uh, how are things in California COVID-wise? I mean, things are so different depending on where you are in the world. Uh, we spoke to a former Blue Jay a couple weeks ago from Florida, and it was pretty crappy. <laughs> how are things for you in California? Uh, actually, I'm not in California. Oh, you're Vegas, I'm right? A, I'm a Vegas boy. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I keep forgetting you're Vegas. So what are the, you, I mean, what, I'm not I'm not backing out of my Cali roots, trust me. But <laughs> no, I've been in Vegas for, God, going on 18 years. Um, it's not as bad here as it is in other places, to be honest with you. I mean, don't get me wrong. We had our scares the other day on Day I got my hair cut and I was the only appointment for a stylist because um, he wasn't feeling well and turns out my man had COVID so he oh no way on Thursday and uh, I'm in California taking my son to look at a school that was recruiting for baseball and he tells me he's got it and I was his only client oh shit so I was uh, pretty nervous about that and somehow luckily I t- if um so we we still have our scares. Get me wrong, we got people doing idiotic things where we have it, know it, but don't. But the casino thing, you would think that we would have a lot more outbreaks. But no, they, we do a really good job here. So, but the whole COVID thing is just, it, it's just a scare, man. Crazy. I'm nervous about it. I don't blame you. Um, what, what, there, I'm assuming there was a time when all the casinos and stuff were closed down in Vegas? Yes. What was that like? I mean, I don't know if you drove down there, but I can't even imagine what Vegas, the Strip, would look like with everything closed. Because it's the city that never sleeps, right? Tough. It was really weird. I'll tell you what, I love the roads. I mean, we had drivers here who got some of the worst trips I've ever seen uh, in my life. But um, so with the streets being clean, it was it was a beautiful thing. But it, it, was, uh, it was different. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we're so lucky here. Like, we'll go on vacation or go anywhere else in the world. Like, you know or you go to the store or something it's closed at like nine or ten o'clock and you're like what you just you're not used to that because we're 24 hour town and to have this place shut down to where we couldn't and a lot of our stuff I and mean, we have normal movies, but there's a lot of stuff that, that we do inside casinos. i mean they have the the things in restaurants and whatnot and so it was crazy the hardest part was all the people that uh you know lost jobs or were out of work for the longest time because these casinos employ so many people in our, our town um so that that was the hardest part for everybody with the casinos being reopened what are the what are the the traffic levels like are things getting back to approaching normal or are we still a long way from that out there no not at all it's normal i mean everything's the nightlife's not open there's no clubs open so that's the one uh, main caveat to all this but the pools are still open for the most part uh we go to the casinos daily the sports books are still rocking and everything's popping with all the sports and people are betting um i mean i guess midweek you'd probably see the biggest you know like uh not as many people out but on the weekends it looks the same to me as it always did um the one thing that you can really see the difference is the airports. So when we're traveling, going out or coming in, that's where like, there's not nearly as many people as there used to be. But I mean, you know, I pass by the casinos daily and the parking lots are still full. So it, it's, you, you don't notice that big of a difference. Wow. Yeah. That's so yeah, surprising. That's nice. I mean, we're, we're starting to go through, I guess the second wave here in Canada and, you know, but our second wave is like, we're getting, you know, 700 cases in Ontario. And that's like, you know, that's our second wave. So we, we've we never had that kind of, uh, you know, the rate that you guys have. Now you're a bigger country and all too. But, you know, now it's like masks are, uh, you know, you have to wear a mask wherever you go. You have to, uh, you know, limit your, and here it is. I mean, it's our Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. And now they're telling us we have to be limited to only our, you know, family that live with us so yeah i mean so that's th- this is all new to you like the mass all new and the limited like family and grouping well is uh, all new no i mean we've been doing masks in public since the summer um okay. but things had really opened up uh yeah. right about the end of august and things were going great and then you know something happened in the beginning of september and yeah, the infection labor rates, day people yeah, started partying like 
you know, there's or, no yeah. tomorrow. Or, you know, a couple million kids going back to school. Well, that's true, <laughs> too, right? <laughs> and, and lo and behold, you know, the, 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 the rates started going up. And now we're just in the process now of, you know, everybody getting really angry and wondering what to close next and, and you know, what to lock down. So, you know, just trying to find the best way forward and the safest way forward, to be honest. Yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, here's the reality is what, what we proved on the cruise ships uh, months ago that it, it stayed alive on the counters uh, for 17 days. I think that's the longest I've heard it proven. So the reality is, is, you know, things could have been done better in the beginning. Now that we know more about it, I think we learned from trying to shut the country down and it was uh, it didn't go over well. And so I guess if we were to shut the country down again, we, we would probably see some <laughs> some serious pushback. But <laughs> I think that if we honestly wanted to as a as a, what a world, I guess, if we really wanted to get rid of this thing, I, I mean, everybody would have to stay inside for 18 days and that's it. There's no travel. There's no leaving the house. There's no doing everything nothing for 18 days and let it kill itself off um and if we're not willing to do that then how are we really going to get rid of this thing i mean it's like trying to stop the wind i would assume like how can you when something's airborne and you can't see it and you're infectious before you know you have it it's it's almost impossible to get rid of it so unless we're willing to honestly like i said close our doors and stay inside for 18 days and not have any communication with anybody and let it kill itself off um there's only so much we can really do so do we continue to to limit ourselves on what we can do in our gatherings or do we just say screw it go you know at your own risk i mean mm-hmm. there's really only there's really only two options and everybody's trying to come up with these plans but it's impossible to stop something like this really so i, I don't know it's, it's nuts but it sounds like what you guys are starting to go through that we went through a while ago um and and people are they're they're still serious. I mean, I got an elevator in my building, and and if you're in my building, you work there, so we see each other the same day. But I still got people that are like, "Oh, you're not, you don't have your mask. Well, I'm not getting on the elevator with you." I'm like, "All right." So I mean, you still have those people, and then you got people like me that it is what it is. I mean, I'll share an elevator with you. It's not like we're holding hands and <laughs> you know standing on the same side, right? So I mean, you try to be cautious, but it, it, there's only so much you can do, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I work during the day. I work at the Bass Pro Shops out here selling boats. And, yeah. I mean, we're we're busier than we've ever been because, you know, people can't yeah. go on vacation, right? So everybody wants to buy their hunting gear and fishing gear and stuff like that. But, I mean, now, um, you know, if, if customers aren't wearing masks, they're not they're not getting in now. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it's come down to. So anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about baseball and uh did you, did you watch any of the baseball this season in the 60-game the season and the empty stadiums and all? Yeah, that was hard to watch. Honestly, man, like, playing the game of baseball is is the most fun. Like, I enjoyed it so much. I was addicted to it. Um, and you got to be to put up with all the nonsense it takes to get to the major leagues. But it is nothing without fans. I don't care if you're at home in Toronto and you got 50,000 people rooting for you. Or if you're on the road in any other city and they're booing you and calling your mom names, it does not matter. Without fans, it just is not fun. And to see the games being played and and trying to to find that motivation, and it's not you know, the hardest thing in the world, but to find that added motivation to play with no fans, it's God, it's just not fun, man. I like being yelled at or 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 I don't even like being cheered as, as much as I think I like being yelled at. So <laughs> doesn't surprise <laughs> me, man. Does not surprise yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. So so that that was tough to watch. But um, you know, I was coaching with the Mets, and and now the seasons are over. I'm not going to go back with them. And so I watched, you know, minimal baseball. I would say until the last probably month, and then I started to pick it up. But the game is so different than what I'm used to. Uh, the game in the minor leagues from my organization, it's it's not, there's no baseball. There's no baseball being taught that I'm seeing. Now, this isn't with every organization because I can't speak for all of them, but, you know, the, what I saw, there just wasn't, there's no baseball. And so the game that I'm watching just isn't, I don't know, there's just such a better version out there. And these players can be so much better. And we're we're getting rid of the development and we're rushing the computer side of it. And you have so many people who've never played trying to teach the game, but they're teaching the game from from their understanding, which is I don't understand what you're saying because I've never done it. But this computer says this number, so that's baseball, and we're trying to make it 
advanced and there's a time and place for all of this. And so these kids are more confused now than ever. And so instead of developing talent and when they're ready, they're in the big leagues, you have this polished product of just elite baseball players. Now we're watching a big league version of just talented kids who really still haven't learned cuts and relays and whatnot. And it's tough for me to watch having played in the era of men transition into an era of young men and then boys. Um, it's really hard for me to watch, man. So the postseason is a lot more fun because guys have to attempt to play situational baseball or have to attempt to be team team players. And it kind of shows when they're not prepared for it. But then again, you got the other ones like, you know, the Turners and the Mookie Betts and those type of players that are team players and when you get a group of them together, it looks pretty cool. Is that a huge advantage, do you think, if you can get that team together of of those pure athletes, of the people that have the soft skills and the things that maybe aren't necessarily being coached? It's unbelievable. I mean, look at Tampa. I mean, these kids mm-hmm. for Tampa, we're going to know their names soon enough. We'll be another name now soon enough. But look at them. I mean, they play for each other, Kevin Cash and Chad Matola, two Jays. They got those kids playing baseball and supporting the decisions being made and wanting to do a job for each other and not selfishly doing it for themselves. And, you know, I mean, look at Acuna the other day. I mean, I know the Braves are winning, but they're playing Miami. Acuna is a 0-0 game versus the Reds. And I think it was like in the fifth or sixth inning or something like that. He swung 3-0 and he fouled it off. And this is with nobody on and nobody out. And it, two pitches later he strikes out Mm -hmm. and then in the eighth inning of the game i think it was it's still zero zero in a postseason game two dudes are dealing he comes up and he swings 3-0 again to lead off the inning and he pops up i mean this man could have been on base and potentially scored a run because you got a couple veterans behind you that might be willing to move you over and selfishly you decide to swing 3-0 both times and you got out both times like where what like how i i get that this man can hit home runs or this kid can hit home runs but that's what I'm talking about. And then he runs his mouth yesterday and he goes over four, four punch outs today. So it's like, where are we at with this? Like, uh, is this not about team baseball? You got your hundred million dollar contract. So like, it, it, it's just, I get it. The guys have green lights and stuff like that. Um, but there's a time and a place, you know, Tati swinging three all against Texas when they're, when they're beating them pretty good. Like don't groove a pitch down the middle that that's a whole different version of go ahead and swing three others time and place for everything but this isn't it so i'm not picking on acuna that just stood out there's just stuff like that all the time and it gets more advanced i mean i couldn't really explain it uh in our limited time on the phone but it gets more advanced than that and that's the unfortunate part i think and i i've said this to my son for me is i can't just watch baseball and appreciate the game of baseball I watch baseball from a whole different perspective that a lot of people will never understand. And it's not the most fun thing in the world to watch it from the way I watch it. It's funny. Tom and I are both musicians. We play in a band together too. And that's how we listen to music, right? We can't just enjoy music for the most part. We're always breaking it down for how it was built and stuff, right? It's the same kind of thing. But speaking of Tatis, Tom had a question he wanted to ask you about Fernando. Yeah. You know, I, I, couldn't help but uh i've been a long time actually out of the park listener before i was the co-host and i remember your last interview on this program and you had some very plain uh things to say about bat flips and (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny that you brought out fernando tatis because i was really curious to get your take on on his lovely little bat flip the other day um yeah god i must be getting older huh Um, (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it well, isn't it funny that like you get enough of something, you know, shoved in your face and finally like you start to not care about it because you've seen it so much. And I think that's what it's coming to. You know, when I start hearing pitchers in the big leagues who are giving up these home runs talk about, oh well, they can pass up it all they want, then I'm starting to be like, Well then why should I care? But when I played, that was a whole nother story. You want to bat flip on me, you better have earned it. And more importantly, you might have just want to walk me off. Because if you walk me off, you can do whatever you want. But bat flipping a ball and you're losing. Um, I think I saw one today. The team was losing and the guy hit a home run and he bat flipped it. And, I was and there's like, nobody losing. in the stands either, right? It's not like you're doing no. it for the people there. <laughs> right. You're losing. Exactly. That's even a better point. That, that caught up in the, the moment game. thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's the whole thing about the Bautista one. I get that that was one of the biggest swings in maybe Toronto history. But that game wasn't over yet. 
and and, and Jose's flipping and throwing at the dugout, whatever he does, one of the most epic bat flips of all time. And it's like the game's not over. There's, there's still a lot of baseball left, man. Like you just fired me up, and 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 so I, I again, man, I think I'm like kind of in between on it now. I, I'm still not a an advocate for it because I was a pitcher, and don't do it when you're facing me. Um, otherwise I'll do some pretty dumb stuff and rub it back into you. Uh, so enjoy that if, that if that's what you want. But these guys, they do it so much these days and pitchers don't seem to mind. So again, if they don't mind, then, you know, why should I care anymore? I remember a couple of years ago, we had Todd Stottlemyre on the show and he was saying that when he looks back now at the 25 year old or 24 year old version of him, he, he cringes because he can't believe he was like that at that age. Um, you're 43 now, right? So when you look back at 23 year old Josh Towers, if if you could go, are are you uh, are you in a time machine or something right now? Me? Yeah, I, was, I hear all this banging and popping noise, so I wasn't sure. <laughs> you're all good. Yeah, yeah. I just I changed my phone from uh, talking on it to now it's on the speakerphone in my okay. car. So if. If the 43-year-old Josh Towers could go in the time machine and go visit the 23-year-old Josh Towers, what would you say to him? <laughs> All right, you ready for this? Yeah. I would say do not go out to clubs. Stay in. <laughs> stay in and get your sleep. There, there, there's plenty of time when your career's over to to go out, to do things, to drink, to... So whatever, there's plenty of time when, when your career's over, man. That I, I would have liked to have taken that time a little bit more. I mean, I never missed a workout, um, never drank the night before I pitched. I mean, there's I had a lot of rules, man. That's probably why I never got hurt in my life. But um, there was a lot of times where it's like bullpen day or something, and I'm I'm you know I'm recovering from being hungover and i should be feeling phenomenal and working on my craft so that i can be better on the field for my teammates and so um you know there's years where i didn't go out but there was years where i did go out and the years where i was terrible you know you, you could sometimes want to drink those sorrows away and then the sorrows never left and you kept drinking it just made it worse and and uh i so i think more than anything uh i would have i would have stayed in and never went out wow did you ever see the the documentary on doc ellis uh, see the one who threw the perfect game um, on acid. He did indeed. It's phenomenal, <laughs> by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's a different again, a different era, right? But I mean, back then, yeah, guys were probably stoned while they were playing. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I don't want you to out anybody personally, but I mean, but in in your, well, other than a Rod, right? Um, <laughs> but dur- during your days of playing, like, was it something like? Would you see? Would you see weed a lot? I mean, weed is like natural here, man. I just finished a cookie myself. But um, w- did you see a lot of that kind of stuff in in the clubhouse? Like, were guys going out and you know s- snorting lines and doing that kind of stuff? No, I think um, I mean you saw marijuana, but that you know weed was starting to become more of like oh that's not that big of a deal thing. Um, I, people didn't do it before the games or anything like that, but just like you might have a beer, um, maybe you smoke a little bit to relax before you go to bed or something like it was, it wasn't the most common thing, but you know, it, it wasn't like something they tested for. So we didn't shy away from it. Um, I don't know. It, again, it's not, it's so much more common today than it ever was. The, the, the other stuff like cocaine, man, like I never saw Coke. The first time I ever saw cocaine, was the first week of being in professional baseball when the Orioles drafted me. I was sent to Bluefield, West Virginia, and a host mom for one of my players um, brought it out one night and asked us if we wanted it. And I was scared scared out of my mind. I was like, I've never seen any drugs. I've seen weed, but I've never seen any drugs. Like, what? Like, I was, like, freaked out. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. But past that, I think – I think Coke was like an '80s thing, maybe creeped into the '90s, mm-hmm. but it didn't—it didn't find its way to the 2000s very much. Hang on, I never saw a host mom brought it out. How crazy is that? First oh time I ever saw. Her. God, I would hope that she's no longer a host mom. <laughs> I have no idea. Right? <laughs> oh my! That's that's yeah. like that's mind-boggling to think that, you know. <laughs> wow. So. You know, when you look at the game today, and again, we're going to sound like these 
old men gathering around saying the game isn't the way it used to be. I, 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 I mean, we, we had Pat Hankin on last week's show, and we were talking about the way the Blue Jays handled their pitching staff. They had Ryu that was, you know, I mean, you probably saw a lot of Ryu out in the West Coast. He was pitching a great game. Uh, you know, he, he comes out of a game, you know, early. They had um, Matt Shoemaker pitched an incredible three innings. All of a sudden, well, because the, the analytics, the computer says he should come out, he should come out. And it's like, look, you had a 200-inning season when you were with the Jays, right? I mean, you weren't even a number one or two starter, even though, you know, you had the potential. Let's not knock you or anything like that. But, um, I mean, you still had a 200-inning season. I don't think we'll ever see it again. And quite honestly, I, I don't like that. I don't like the the way pitchers are being handled these days. I don't like the fact that you're not going to see starters like we like we grew up watching. No, it's, well, again, I, I was so excited for last year's World Series because last year's World Series showed us the importance and the value of starters. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, man, this is great. Like, now these teams are going to go, oh, no, we do need starters. And I thought that they were going to start loading up on them. And for the most part, the first part of free agency, they did. Um, but then, nope, right back to all these bullpens and all these dumb things. There's... There's human element, by the way, involved in, in sports, and we're shifting guys the same way in April that we're shifting them in September and August, and it's like, what are you talking about? You're shifting a, a guy the same way his first at-bats when it's 20 degrees out, the same way you are in his 500th at-bat when it's 110 out? Like, what are you talking about? And we're going to shift a guy versus Josh Towers who throws 87, 88 the same way we are? against Dustin McGowan is throwing 99. Like, what am I missing here? There's, there's, there's so many different things that, like, it blows my mind that we're going to these computers to be like, oh, this says this, so we're pulling Shoemaker out. Well, then why did you sign him? Why did you go get these guys? Did some computer tell you that this is the guy and that you were going to pitch him three innings or four innings or one inning on certain days? Because you never would have signed him if that's the case. I, I don't understand it. You, you can't tell me that every pitcher in your bullpen is better than your starting pitchers. Cause if they were, they would be starting pitchers. So you're willing to pull your starter after three or four innings and use your entire bullpen and take on the risk of, they all have to be on today in order for you to be successful. It makes no sense. And now you're stuck with three, they have to face three hitters and all these other things. I mean, look what the Yankees did last night. Oh, with I half? Think, yeah. Oh yeah, man, that, that pissed me off. Yeah the kid the young man who started it's just like what are you doing like you have like look at oakland how did you guys get here by the way because you use your starters during the season and then every time the postseason shows up you will not use a starter you go bullpen days every day you put your starters in the pen and you lose in the first round of the playoffs every single time and where are they at right now they're back at home watching baseball um it's just amazing to me that these like Oh, they're almost back at home. Um, it's just amazing to me that, like, you completely go against what you know is successful or what got you there. And it's amazing to me that you can, in essence, set your lineups, pull guys based on what you think. Of, like, a computer is not going to determine today's game. I can't, I can't imagine this enough. You have so many people in the game that have never that they don't know what any of this means. They don't know what any of it feels like. They don't understand the game. So they have to understand it from some way. So they made these numbers and all these things to say this is the game, and they understand that version of it. So then they base it on that, and they're bringing in other people who have never played the game because, well, they think they know what they're doing, so why would that guy? And so we're flooded with people who have never played, and so we're going to continue to get this type of stuff. Again, look at the teams who have starters and look at the teams who have people running it who are baseball people who also have a brain so they can understand the computer version of it. And those are the successful teams. There is part one with former Toronto Blue Jay Josh Towers. Told you that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, was it ever? And it gets better in part two. And be sure to listen to part two. And folks, if you would like to get access to all of our part twos and help support out of the park if you love the show and you want to help out in a way that is virtually very cheap Mm -hmm. as little as three dollars us a month we're still working on finding uh some kind of uh patreon like program that does it all in canadian funds but for now they only have that one 
but you can go either $3 or $5 a month and you will access all these great programs and help out our show. Tom, how do they find us? Patreon.com slash out of the park. Beautiful. There is Tom Forth, and we want to thank all of you. And Tom, I am still working on a great insult for you. <laughs> but damn, you're just such a nice guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of insulting. Yeah, it is insulting. You're yeah. just way too nice. I know. Yeah. All right. We will talk to you next week. And a reminder to please listen to sessions each and every Tuesday. And uh, next week, maybe we'll uh, get Liam Hendricks. We've got to get Joe Biagini on soon. Oh, He's a free I, agent. Yep. Yeah. That's that's a big one. And, <laughs> folks, hey, uh, a few of you uh, responded on Twitter about trying to get Josh Donaldson back on. Keep it up, folks. Keep pestering him on Twitter, and eventually he'll come around again. All right? <laughs> folks, thank you so much for making us a part of your week. You've been listening to Out of the Park with Barry Davis. Thanks for joining us. Get home safely and see you next time.